We want to explore all sports and competitions on a deeper level in order to understand the less mainstream topics and events. We here at Deep Dive Sports not only want you to walk away having learned something, but for us to have learned something new as well. Now don't get us wrong, we will do our best to cover the big events, but our main goal is to give you a different perspective on some of the overlooked sports and competitions across the globe. We hope you're ready to learn, laugh, and have fun because we are excited to bring you this podcast. Please sit back, relax, and dive deep into these topics with us. How's it going? And welcome to another great episode of Deep Dive Sports. Today, we'll be talking about another great Irish sport in the form of hurling. And for starters, we'll start with the history section. Hurling is one of the oldest field games in the world and is popular for at least 3,000 years in Ireland with the first literary reference dating back to 1272 BC. Hurling is often referenced in Irish myths and legends, especially in the early Irish literature involving the Hound of Cullen. Such stories often portray hurling as a form of martial training and proficiency on the hurling field was equated with skill in battle. Throughout the countryside, hurling thrived as a wild and often violent practice with few strict rules. One 17th century account describes the game as being played on a plane about 200 to 300 yards long, with victory going to the first team to drive the ball through the goal of the opponent. Now, during the, f- the famine that occurred between 1846 and 1849, the popularity of hurling decreased dramatically. The decline was so dramatic that it nearly killed the sport off entirely. However, Dublin Castle itself admitted that by the late 1850s, hurling was being played all over Ireland. With that said, as the popularity started to grow again, this would lead to the creation of several variations of the sport. During the 19th century, there was a new version of hurling, also known as hurley, that became popular within the upper classes. A defining 10-year period for hurling was before the establishment of the Gaelic Athletic Association, or GAA, in 1884. By 1879, there were at least six hurley clubs among the gentry in Dublin and the Irish Hurley Union that was founded in Trinity College. Say that five times fast. (laughs) It was exclusively an upper-class preserve and bore literal little relation to the traditional concepts of the game and now it's time for nick to cover the rules all right everyone i'm going to apologize because you are going to hear my voice the next five minutes so i'll try not to put you to sleep but to start it happens naturally so (laughs) thanks david (laughs) to start with the rules section we are going to go with the playing field So a hurling pitch is similar in some respects to the rugby pitch, but it's a little larger. The grass pitch is a rectangular shape stretching 130 to 145 meters, or as a lot of you would know it, 140 to 160 yards long and 80 to 90 meters or 90 to 100 yards wide. They do have H-shaped goalposts at each end. Yes, I did say an H. And they are formed by two posts and connected above the ground by a crossbar. A net extending behind the goal is attached to the crossbar and lower goal posts. So basically, imagine you have an American football field goal post with a 
football or aka soccer goalpost right underneath it. So that's pretty much what they're working with there. And then also they do use the same pitch for Gaelic football. We did have an episode recently on Gaelic football. So if you haven't listened to it, go ahead and go back and listen to it because it is very interesting as well. So the GAA, as David mentioned before, which organizes both sports, decided this to facilitate dual usage. The lines are marked at distances of 14 yards, 21 yards, and 65 yards from each end line. Shorter pitches and smaller goals are used by the youth teams. Now moving on to duration, extra time, and replays. So senior inter-county matches last 70 minutes with 30-minute halves. All other matches last 60 minutes with 30-minute halves. But for teams under 13, games may be shortened to about 50 minutes. And timekeeping is at the discretion of the referee who can add stoppage time at the end of each half. There are various solutions for knockout games that end in a draw, such as a replay or what the rules refer to as winner on the day. Measures such as extra time can be added, whether that's 20 minutes or 10 minutes, or you can have a shootout. The application and details of these measures vary according to the importance of the match and the difficulty of scheduling possible replays and can change from year to year. So the general trend is that the GAA has been trying to reduce the need for replays to ease scheduling. So pretty much just like in all of our major sports, if the score is tied at the end of the game, they're going to try to finish that game so they don't have to count it as a draw or they don't have to reschedule it to play more time elsewhere. Now moving on to restarting play. So there are a few different situations in which restarting play is necessary. The first one being if the attacker has scored or has put the ball wide of the goal, the goalkeeper may take a puck out from the hand at the edge of the small square. So basically, if a player misses a goal, then just kind of like in soccer, the goalie is going to put the ball back into play. But none of the players can be any closer than that 20 meter line. Next, you have after a defender has put the ball wide of the goal, an attacker may take a 65 from the 65 meter line level with where the ball went wide. It must be taken by lifting and striking. However, the ball must not be taken into the hand, but struck whilst the ball is lifted. So pretty much just like, again, if the ball is hit out of bounds, the opposing team gets an option to throw it back in. But like hurling is a lot different than other sports. They got to like knock it in the air and then they can hit it. It's pretty interesting. You should watch a video on it. (laughs) then you have after a player has put the ball definitely will be posting a video on it as well so yeah i think this will be an interesting one to that people can watch because there there is a lot of facets that go into it yeah next after a player has committed a foul the other team may take a free at the point where the foul was committed It must be taken by lifting and striking in the same style as a 65. Then you have, after a defender has committed a foul inside the square, the other team may take a penalty from the ground behind the 20-meter line. Only the goalkeeper may guard the goals. It must be taken by lifting and striking on or behind the 20-meter line. So basically like our free kicks within soccer. And then lastly, 
if many players are struggling for the ball and no side is able to capitalize or gain control of it, the referee may choose to throw the ball in between two opposing players. This is also known as a throw-in. So like kind of like in basketball, if two players are um, scrummaging for the ball on the ground, they'll call, they'll stop, they'll, they'll do a stoppage of time and the refer- referee will throw the ball up in the air so that they can fight for it. Whew, got to take a little bit of drink of water. Believe it or not, we're only halfway through. Now moving on to teams. So teams consist of 15 players. They have a goalkeeper, three fullbacks, three halfbacks, two midfielders, three half forwards, and three full forwards. That's a lot of people on the field at one time. If you think both teams got all those people. So the panel is made up of about 24 to 30, 30 players and five substitutions are allowed per game. There is an exception. If a player is bleeding on the field, they're not going to count that as a substitution. So if you get whacked in the knee or you get whacked in the face and you're bleeding all over everybody, they're just going to cart you off and tell you to go home. Now we're going to move on to scoring. So scoring is achieved by sending the slitter, which is the ball, between the opposition's goalposts. The posts, which are at each end of the field, like I had previously said, in that eight shape, such as in rugby football. If the ball goes over the crossbar, it's a point. Then the umpires raise a white flag. If the ball goes below the crossbar into the net, it's a goal. And that's worth three points. The umpire will raise a green flag. And a goal must be scored by either a striking motion or by directly soloing the ball into the net. Now moving on to tackling. Players may be tackled but not struck by a one-handed slash of the stick. Exceptions are two-handed jabs and strikes, jersey pulling, wrestling, but pushing and tripping are all forbidden. There are several forms of acceptable tackling, the most popular being the block, where one player attempts to smother an opposing player's strike by tapping the ball between his hurley and the opponent's swinging hurl. The next is a hook, where a player approaches another player from a rear angle and attempts to catch the opponent's hurley with his or her own top of the swing. Lastly, there is the side pull where two players running together for the slitter, a.k.a. the ball, will collide at the shoulders and swing together to win the tackle and pull with extreme force. Now moving on to the officials that are within the game. So a hurling match is watched over by eight officials. I will tell you that really only one official has the most power. The rest of them are kind of just there to keep track of a few things. So the one with the most power is going to be the referee who is on the field at all times. They're responsible for starting and stopping play, recording the score, awarding freeze, noting infractions, issuing cautions with a yellow and issuing an order off penalty with a red. So basically they're the ones who are watching for all these infractions and they will communicate with the two linesmen who are stationed on the sidelines or an additional sideline official slash standby linesman, which they only use for inter-county games. So the linemen are responsible for indicating the direction of line balls to the referee and also conferring with the referee on decision. So basically, if a ball goes out of bounds, they're just in charge of making sure the right team gets, gets to obtain the ball. That fourth official that's used for inter-county games is responsible for overseeing like substitutions and indicating the stoppage time that is signaled by the referee. Then you have four umpires, two at each end. The umpires are responsible for judging scoring. They indicate to the referee whether a shot was wide, where they'll spread both arms, 
a 65-meter puck, which they'll raise one arm, a point, which, like I said before, goes over those crossbars, they'll wave that white flag, or a goal, which will go into the net when they'll wave that green flag. And then they also have a Hawkeye video technology for some scoring situations. So obviously they probably have some video cameras pointed towards the goals. So if they need to go back and do a replay, they can. These are really only used in Croke Park and Simple Stadium. And they're really only used for inter-county games as well. So something that's interesting, contrary to popular belief within the association, all officials, like I said, are not obligated to indicate any misdemeanors to the referee, but they are in fact permitted to inform the referee only violent conduct they have witnessed, which has occurred without the referee's knowledge. And a linesman or umpire is not permitted to inform the referee of technical fouls, such as a third time in the hand or an illegal pickup of the ball. So such decisions can only be made by the discretion of the referee. So basically you're putting all of this on one and if they miss it, they miss it, which is like super interesting. Cause if you think about our like major sports today, such as the NFL and NBA, there's like five or six people that are like watching, making sure everybody's following the rules all the time. And like, nobody gets away with anything. So if you can imagine only one person was allowed to make these calls, then people would be getting away with like so many things and you wouldn't be able to have players like LeBron flopping or you'd be able to have linemen that could hold a little bit more. So that'd be an interesting facet to add to some of our games as well. Hey, I mean, if you wanted to make it look more like a Steelers game or a Patriots game, it would be perfectly fine. Okay. We got the jokes now. (laughs) I'll agree with you on the Patriots game. They definitely paying off those refs. Maybe not Patriots, but Tom Brady in general. I mean, Hey, he's got seven rings for a reason. I don't know. Anyway, moving on. I only got two more. Actually, I lied. I only got three more sections and then you guys can stop listening to me for a little bit. So we're going to move on to technical fouls. The following are considered a technical foul. So you got picking the ball directly off the ground. You can't do that. It's got to be flicked up by the Hurley. You got throwing the ball. You can't throw it. It's got to be hand passed. That's slapping it with an open hand, just like a high five. Boom. Then you got going more than four steps with the ball in the hand. You can't run with the ball. You can't travel. You got to get rid of it. You either got to bounce it. You got to pass it. I don't know. Shoot it in the goal. Do something with it. Can't run with it unless somehow you're able to balance on the Hurley, which is a lot harder than it sounds because it's literally a stick with like a spatula on the end of it. I don't, I don't know. That seems pretty hard. Next you have. (laughs) You sound like a used car salesman. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) Moving on. Then you have catching the ball three times in a row without touching the ground. So yeah, Again, you got to bounce it. You got to pass it. You got to throw it at somebody's head. I don't know, but you can't, you can't catch the ball three times in a row without bouncing it off of something first. Then you have putting the ball from one hand to the other. So you can't play hot potato with the ball down the field. That don't count. Then you have hand passing a goal. You can't hand pass a goal. All right. You got to hit the ball off the stick into the goal. Then you have chopping or slashing downwards on another player's Hurley. You can't hit another player's Hurley. Can't do it. If you don't know what a Hurley is, again, it's that long stick with a spatula on the end of it. Might be good for flipping burgers. I don't know. Next, we're moving on to the helmets. So helmets with face guards are relatively new. If that shocks some of you, it shocks me. So on January 1st, 2010, the wearing of helmets with face guards became a thing at all levels of hurling. 
So before it was just something that they had younger kids or people in minor leagues wear, but the GAA felt that it would just be safer. So the GAA hopes that significantly reducing the number of injuries by introducing face masks to helmets in both training and matches and basically hurling at all ages, even including those at the nursery club. So you got your five-year-olds, even they got to wear the face shields. All right. So if you see them walking around town, tell them to put on their face shield. But hey, Nick, put on your face shield. Okay. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Lastly, if you are in a game and the official sees that you're not wearing a face shield, they're going to stop playing. They're going to make you put on a face shield. All right, David? So make sure you're wearing your face shield since you got jokes. Now we're going to move on to risks. Yeah, it's going to be the last thing. Here we go. So hurling is one of the two national sports games of Ireland. Looked at as one of the fastest field sports on earth. And they only play with a face mask and a helmet as protection. The rest of their uniform is like a t-shirt and some shorts and some cleats. So this makes injuries unavoidable and a basically a feature of the game. So it's very much back to its gladiator kind of roots. And it is very much a physical game such as Gaelic football and rugby as well. Again, thank you all for bearing with me through this really long section. I hope I didn't put you to sleep. You're going to get to listen to Dom now. He's going to go over the league structure. So hopefully he can wake you up with his voice. Thank you again. So the league overall has 35 teams that's divided into six divisions, being 1A, 1B, 2A, 2B, and 3A, 3B, with 1A being the highest level of competition and 3B being the lowest level of competition. And within these divisions, there's five or six teams. Card, no, no, you didn't get A's and B's. Oh, <laughs> that hurts, man. I definitely got some A's and B's. <laughs> <laughs> so promotion and relegation between these divisions is a central feature to the league. And although competition is mostly between Irish teams, there are some teams from England, um, such as Lancashire, London, and Warwickshire. Also, in the past, a team from New York has competed, but the, um, no team from New York has competed recently. The league season runs from January to March, so it's a pretty short season overall. Each team plays each other once within, if I can talk, <laughs> within their division. Division 1 of the league features the top 12 hurling teams split into two divisions of six in which a knockout stage follows for the top four place teams in each division. The winners of the Division 1 title are awarded the Dr. Croak Cup and are officially regarded as the national hurling champions. So it's pretty a uh, quick synopsis of the league, but it's pretty simple. With all that said, what are your guys' thoughts on the sport as a whole? So overall, I think this is a sport where I kind of have to, to watch it first before I totally understand it. I, I got a kind of brief understanding of the league just from, you know, doing a little bit of research uh, for this episode and for what you guys have said earlier. But it's definitely an interesting sport, but I think I'm going to have to to watch it to really get the gist of what's going on. Yeah, for sure. I mean, honestly, like I did, I did all my research put together my really long rules section. And then I spent a little bit of time just watching, you know, old game clips, watching, excuse me, old videos and stuff like that. And it's super interesting. I mean, 
I kind of watched videos of them scoring some really scoring in some really cool ways. But then I also was watching videos where they were just clanking each other with those um, the sticks that they have. And it, I mean, when I talk about brutal and violent, like they don't care if they get tossed out of the game. I mean, I literally watched this dude hit this guy in the kneecap so hard with his spatula stick that, I mean, I heard his knee like explode on the tape and it was like, I mean, that's pretty brutal. So I I think it's interesting that you can hit other people with your stick, but you can't hit other people's sticks. See, I'm that's so like I'm I could just run up to David and, and well, I could run up to David and smack it and smack him with my with my hurling stick. Yeah. But you know, if I hit your hurling stick, I'm kicked out of the game. Well, and here's the thing: you 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 can't swing at David. You can't swing your hurling stick at David with one hand. You got to swing at him with two hands. All right. To get to get more force, by the swing, I get it. Yeah. But like literally, I don't. I think the rules are just designed for more carnage. I don't know, man. It's super interesting. Obviously, to everyone who's listening, like I think we're gonna throughout the week leading up to this episode, we're gonna try to put out some videos so that you guys can watch some of this stuff because it it is it is pretty interesting. It's definitely an interesting sport. It, you'll kind of see some of the sports, major sports today that we watch. I think they took a lot of stuff from this sport. You know what I mean? You have like lacrosse or you have soccer or you have football, American football, even like rugby and Gaelic football and stuff like that. I think they kind of branched off as well, too. So it's definitely it's definitely an interesting sport. And and I enjoyed doing research and I enjoyed watching videos on it leading up to this episode. So that's definitely why I want to do this sport, because it was definitely interesting and something that unless you grew up in like an Irish family, like you were an Irish American family like that was your heritage and stuff hardly anyone ever knew of hurling like i didn't know of hurling i didn't know of gaelic football until i literally went to ireland on a study abroad trip and actually gave these sports out at least the best that i could at the time gave these sports a try essentially so i definitely have been wanting to look it up more because i've literally spoken about the sport I remember talking, I think it was like Christmas day. And I remember going to some, like an, some family for Christmas day dinner. And I was like, yeah, I went on this study abroad trip and I mentioned this sport and they're like, huh? So yeah, there was that. And yeah, thanks for doing the research guys. Cause it was definitely a lot of fun talking about this. And basically if there's any final thoughts that you guys want to bring out, go right ahead. I mean, honestly, just kind of echoing what we all said before is this this like Gaelic football and rugby for people who aren't familiar with it, especially over here in the States, like you're going to have to watch some of these things. You're going to have to watch videos on it. And I think as a group, we're continuing to grow and see how we can better inform everybody on um, on more of an entertaining way. So I think for us, too, we've probably fell a little bit short on helping some of you understand and kind of view some of these sports. So we're definitely going to try to do that better going forward. And like I said, we're definitely going to try to at least give you, give all of you a little bit of a view of what the sport looks like throughout the the week leading up to this episode coming out. So again, thank you to everyone who listens Thank you to David for bringing this topic up because it's definitely an interesting sport. Anytime somebody gets to swing a spatula stick at somebody and explode their knee, 
that is that is brutal. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's definitely something else. What I like most about this episode, unlike previous episodes that we've done, where I kind of I heard of the sport before, but I didn't really know much about it. This was completely new to me. Like I, up until this week, I've never even heard of hurling. Um, now I kind of have like a basic understanding of how the game operates. But like I said, I got to watch it so I understand it more. But it, it's cool to see a brand new topic and you know kind of do more research and and learn about something that's completely new that I've never heard of before. So again, thanks to Dave for bringing this up and you know giving us this opportunity. Yeah, no problem. And to our listeners. Uh, I would like to say, like, reciprocate what Nick said. We're always trying to get better. We want to find out better ways to bring our content out to you guys and inform you of these sports that not too many people probably know with without actually being in the home country of where the sport is mainly played. Thanks for the guys. This was another great episode. And as usual, we're Deep Dive Sports. Have a great one. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening. If you would like to hear more, Feel free to listen to past episodes and look for new ones every Friday. And don't forget to follow us at deep.dive.sport on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for any update. And please let us know what you would like us to take a deep dive into next. As always, we are Deep Dive Sports. Until next time.